what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Kings and Priests podcast. It is good to have you with us once again. Dean, how are you? Fantastic in Utah, where it's currently raining, but that's fine. I got to say, I'm surprised that you're not here this weekend for the uh, for the for the U.S. Open. You know, I played I played that course a few times. Yeah, it's epic. I is mean, it? You know, I wasn't gonna. I don't. I like going to watch golf, but I'd rather watch it on TV. And yeah, so it doesn't matter where I am. But yeah, I'm yeah. pretty pumped. Yeah, I had some buddies go to a practice round yesterday and they were like, do you want to come? And I was just like, I'm just, I have too much. To, I was so bummed. I wanted to go. I was like, I was mm-hmm. like, I really want to go. I have too much to do. And then they sent me like literally a video of just watching Rory just like yeah. chip. On. I'm just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is, this is. I had a buddy bummer. there too. He, he bought me a, a t-shirt so I can pretend. There I you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, I was going to try and golf. Uh, my wife texted me and was like, you want to golf this weekend for Father's Day? And, and I was like, "And I was like, yeah, that sounds fun, but there's just nothing. I didn't even think about the fact like LA, Father's Day weekend, there's not yeah. a single tee time in this whole city. And the tee times that are available, they've 4X the price. And I'm just right. like, this is Mate, 4X the price. For, we'll we'll I, play I, here. I, honestly, I could, I could probably do that cheaper, cheaper. than I could here. <laughs> yeah, like 99 bucks out of out of Burbank. You know, exactly. Exactly. Um so there's some fun topics today um that I think we could touch we, we could we could talk about. We'll maybe I'm I'm sure the AI conversation will continue. Um but I figured maybe we'd take a take a bit of an AI break for a week and and talk about some other stuff. I came across this tweet that I thought was really interesting. Um and you know, we talk a fair amount and more in the past about uh investing and getting investors and you know uh mm-hmm. our opinions would be if you can go as long as you can without doing that and um obviously in this market it's a much more difficult thing to do anyway but um i do want to talk a bit about a couple of interesting tweets and threads that i saw this week around investing not just because it's about investing but i actually think it's good for anyone to ask themselves these questions whether they're building a business that they need investment for uh, or not. So that's kind of what I'm thinking around these. So somebody tweeted uh, a couple of days ago, they said, always tell investors exactly why they shouldn't invest in you or your company when you're pitching. And this person said, if I have one single piece of advice for any uh, founder or entrepreneur in presenting to potential investors, it's this, tell them exactly why they shouldn't invest in you. The list should look something like this. The market is too small. I have a terrible track record of erratic behavior. My body odor is so bad. I will never get a technical co-founder. There's no way consumers will ever pay for this. And this hasn't worked the 10,000 times it has been tried before. Um, so that when a new investors come up with a novel objection or reason to say no, thank them and add that to your list of reasons that investors should not invest. What he's really saying is, hey, take all the objections, show that you are not too stupid to realize what those are, and just tackle them head on. What do you think about right. this um, as a as a concept? I, I believe in the premise. It, I don't. I, I don't kind of think I would do it like that, but. The yeah, you're not going to put a page. You're not going to put a page on your pitch deck on why they shouldn't oh, well. invest, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm there yeah. to pitch, not to get thrown out. The door. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, like, like there's a bit of reverse psychology on this. I think you definitely want to be just upfront and open about you know the market, the product, where you're at, what you're doing. You know, investors are smart people. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. And they, they take bets, you know, depending on the stage, early stage, like super early pre-seed, like it's it's gambling. Like it really is gambling. And, you know, and, and it's 50,000 a pop, right? <laughs> 25 mm-hmm. grand a bet. 
I could mm-hmm. go to Vegas and it's a blackjack game that lasts 10 years till you find out right. if you won or not. Right. And then, you know, and, it, and that hangs in there and, you know, it's like, oh, then they need a bit more money in 12 months and they're burning. It's, it's all gambling. And so, you know, yeah, but be, be honest and upfront is, is always our policy, right? Do you think that there is something to, and, and I'll say this because I've found as we've been building what we're building and, and as, you know, as like, gosh, a pre pre seed stage company, man, the questions that I get and the objections that I've gotten are actually like really phenomenal. And they've yeah. made me go, gosh, I really need to think about this on like the biggest scale, like the kind of business I'm building, but right. also just even the tactical, strategic, operational type type thing. So like how deeply as an entrepreneur, because as entrepreneurs, we're op- optimists. Like we are optimists. We are, right. most of us are sales salesmen, <laughs> saleswomen. Yep. So we yep. are always going to have the hat of an optimist on. Yep. How do you, or how have you sort of like, almost like turn the mirror on yourself and gone, okay, let me just pick this apart as brutally as I can so that I can be prepared for any and all objections, not just from a customer, but maybe even from uh, an investor or maybe someone that you're trying to hire or bring on board as a partner. How important is it to really know not just the risks, but maybe even the holes in, in your, in your plan or your model? I know I don't want to become a negative person. So I <laughs> hire or have other people do that job for me. <laughs> I love that. I, refu- I refuse to be the person who is negative. Yep. and critical. Mm-hmm. And now I'm 58 and I'm not as like, I'm much wiser now. So mm-hmm. I can self-reflect very easy and I can ask myself hard questions, but like, no, I want someone else to tell me all the things why I can't do something and I'll listen to them. And if I agree, I'll change course. If I don't agree, I'm going for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just how I do it, man. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to let my brain, I can't live there. I am taking new ground every day. I am literally like Christopher Columbus, Captain Cook. I'm exploring new worlds. I don't know what's out there. And if I don't get up every day and be positive about it and and tighten Mm -hmm. the sail and get the crew pumped up, like I'm not, I'm not reaching my destination. So, but maybe, you know, having co-founders like our first CEO, man, he was that guy. He he punched a hole in everything Mm -hmm. and it was great. Mm -hmm. And so just there are people that are, are supposed to do that mm-hmm. and they're built for that. And that's their natural tendency. If your natural tendency is to, is to be an optimist, you're faking it mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to be critical all the time because you're just not good at it. So get the people who are, that's how I would do it. Mm-hmm. That's how I do do it. Yeah. This is, this is interesting. You just said, you know, Hey, this, this, what this does show uh, at least the ability to look at that stuff is, self-awareness, right? And the real challenges of the business. And it really gives you the opportunity to say, yeah, you're right. That is a problem, but it's a risk I'm willing to take, or I've thought about it. And here are two or three different solutions um, that we could, that we could put into practice in order to overcome, you know, whatever that, whatever that problem is. I I actually really um, agree with you as someone who I'm, I can think a lot and as much of an optimist as I am, I, I also can go into that, like, pessimistic Mm -hmm. mode if I give myself Mm -hmm. too much time to think about it. Um, But I actually really agree with what you're saying because you really, especially if you're trying to build something from scratch, you spend too much time in negative town, as they say, Uh, you're done. You're done. The the mental, the mental gymnastics that it takes to do something every single day anyway (laughs) is, is not worth uh, continuing. I don't want to to talk myself out of anything, but I'm happy for someone else to talk me out of it. Mm, That's great. 
Yeah, that's great. That's that's really great. Okay, let's go to this next uh, topic. And this is uh, from an investor. This person says, I've invested in over 200 companies pre-seed. So gambles, like you said, right? So we're, we're talking now pre-seed, probably an idea, probably not even an MVP, maybe even an MVP. Um, he said, over a dozen have created outlier companies with massive outcomes. What do these outliers have in common during the pre-seed? So let's walk through each one of these. Um, and then I want to get your thoughts on, on this. Uh, number one, uh, an authentic personal stake in the problem they are solving and a compelling story as to how and why they are the best person in the world to solve the problem. I like it. Um, st- stories are the most powerful deliver delivery mechanism for persuasion. And so you better be a good storyteller here. If you're, uh, if you're looking to, um, raise money, um, and then, you know, as an investor, if you ever get to that part, you want to, you know, you want to be able to dissect and listen to the story and, and then put your investor hat on and go at, go after it. But yeah. Um, it's, it's, you're betting, you're betting on the person mm-hmm. probably 50% and the product 50%. So if this is someone's second or third try, you know, the wonderful thing about the world that we live in technology startups is that failure is not final. Whereas in many other industries, a failure is a nail in your coffin and you have to go find something totally new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in tech, it's a badge of honor to have, you know, maybe burnt through some cash and given it a good shot. And, you know, the market moved against you or Microsoft bought out, a, you know, built what you're building and you got crushed or like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's being in the being in the arena seems to in entrepreneurship gain you a certain amount of respect, 100%. right? 100%. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've spent time with investors from pre-seed up through to, you know, PE, you know, multi-billion dollar funds and the respect you get of creating a business from scratch from, from top to bottom is like, and they mean it. And, you know, a lot of times these investors are not operators. They are investors. They don't, operate businesses day to day and they have supreme respect for, for business, you know, entrepreneurs that have built business and then got it out of, you know, burn mode and got it into, you know, profitability and got a product from, you know, an MVP through to a mature, beautiful product that serves thousands of customers, like all the things that you do. I mean, it's, you just, you get a lot of respect, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. As you should. Right. Uh, Number two, uh, a resilience practice. So the way he says this is some time to reset from the stress, meditation, workouts, walks, journaling, et cetera. Um, I think what he's saying here is just a, a person who takes care of themselves, right? Himself, yeah. Takes care of themselves we'll mentally. Yeah. No, yeah. For us, it's exactly the Bible. Mm-hmm. Spiritual yeah. discipline. Yeah. Spiritual disciplines. And, and I think that's, 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 that's a really good, uh, is this, is this person like come across like emotionally stable? Do they come, are they right. the kind of person that's going to take care of themselves and make sure that they're yeah. in peak peak? you know, um, way of thinking. I like that. Okay. Um, this kind of, this next one sort of touches on what we just talked about, uh, in the previous topic, conviction without delusion. So strong opinions, Mm -hmm. weekly held and always open to new information and approaches. I like that conviction without delusion. Um, I like that too. mm -hmm. That's a, what's a, can you think off the top of your head, something, a conviction that you held 
that mm-hmm. given the right information, whether you came across that information yourself, whether you tried mm-hmm. to put something into practice and it didn't work, or whether someone that you worked with you well, brought you a different piece of information. I knew mobile giving was going to explode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I absolutely knew it back mm-hmm. in 2012. Because I tinkered around with online giving from 2000 and maybe 2004. And uh, Glenn Ewing, who actually works for us today, um, you know, I, he was a church member and and I'm like, mate, we've got to get a giving button on the website and, you know, plugged into authorized.net, which was a super old school kind of payment rails and it was expensive and it was, but, you know, and then when the phone comes out in the app store and I'm buying, buying the Starbucks coffee, right, with the app, with my card inside, I'm like, mm-hmm. I know this is Mm-hmm. And so that was how we started this business, you know, just knowing beyond any shadow of a doubt, and like being early is key. Mm-hmm. Like that's why you're 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 an entrepreneur is a futurist because they're seeing things that no one else sees yet. Well, they're seeing the emergence of things that are like very early. Like you know, sorry to mention it again, but AI I just came off an hour call with sixty CEOs. Mm-hmm. And an expert who, you know, on, and, and like, I'm not a CTO. I don't, I don't. And, and like, I want my CTO. I just, I, I slacked. I'm like, are all of our engineers using GitHub Copilot, which is essentially where engineers write code and there's this attached thing and Microsoft owns it all. And he's like, yep, we're all on it. And it's 20 bucks a month each. And it's like the best money we can mm-hmm. ever spend. Mm-hmm. Minimum 35, potentially 70% productivity. My gosh. Think about that. Think about that. So, so when when last November when ChatGPT, you know, go and of course you and I we read all these newsletters. We're linked to all this tech stuff. We're in. We're informed. Mm-hmm. I went straight on it. I created an account. When the paid thing came, and I could get to three point five, and now I'm on floor. I'm paying mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Twenty bucks a month. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you got to be early, and and the early movers usually win mm-hmm. sometimes the early early guys crumble and the other early guys come in mm-hmm. you know yahoo was mm-hmm. early early google was early mm-hmm. google won mm-hmm. right because um, the product was better but you know you got to be a futurist so mm-hmm. you, you can't like so i'm here, so i'm talking about sermonly right mm-hmm. we're putting researcher inside that product which shameless plug is now live mm-hmm. um, and like I, you know, I'm in oh, front of I can't bucks. wait. I cannot wait till the day that you get all the fundamentalists coming after you for for oh, uh, demons. Um, they already it, kind of, it's, it's begun. Yeah, you know, um, and it's like, and I'm in a I'm in a room with hundred pastors a couple of weeks ago, and I'm talking about it, and probably half of them are like, I can see it. Like mm-hmm. they're like not happening. Mm-hmm. The other half were mostly under forty. Mm-hmm nodding mm-hmm. and i feel like saying to these over 50 you know church guys like i'm 58 guys come on mm-hmm. like this is a mindset and a mentality mm-hmm. that you are and there's a reason maybe your church is not growing and mm-hmm. there's a reason maybe your ministry is not successful it's just you will not embrace the the technology that i think god is giving us mm-hmm. and you know people like our company and others are trying to serve it back up to the mm-hmm. church to make mm-hmm. sure that we stay on the cutting edge so mm-hmm. You gotta be. You gotta see the future. My man. my guess is the church at large will adopt this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and 
and use it. And there will be certain verticals and denominations that are against using it in certain ways. And that's totally yeah. fine. I get it. But they were against um, websites. They will. Exactly. Ago. That's exactly right. They were exactly they were right. They were against I, online giving 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, it is, it's happening. It is happening and there's nothing anybody (laughs) can can do about it. it. (laughs) Um, okay. Let's go to the next one. Very driven and curious at the same time, uh, without getting too high on their own supply, which is essentially the the delusion. I want to just say the most successful people I have ever been around are the most curious people Mm -hmm. i was talking to a guy i was talking to a business mentor of mine on sunday who has sold a company for a hundred million fifty million and two companies for around 20 million knows nothing about the church world or christianity and i'm just kind of talking to him a little bit about some of the stuff we're working on and before he even wanted to talk about the business the model he probably asked me 30 questions um, mm-hmm. that ranged from a philosophical to spiritual to psychological and not necessarily about Christianity, but just about the minds. And like, it, it was all of a sudden and, and the most successful, I've said this before, the most successful people I've ever been around are curious and are yep. wildly curious and are always learning. What, what and, uh, do you think about that mix between that driven and curious sort of yeah, spirit? It's, it's, it's all in the same bucket, you know, that what we're talking about. You just have to be an information consuming maniac mm-hmm. and read stuff that you're into, read stuff that you're not into, read stuff you don't know anything about, polish up on the stuff you're really good at to get better at. Like you're just devouring information. And, mm-hmm. uh, and there's, you know, there's this tipping point where you get so knowledgeable about something, it's just automatic, right? And like mm-hmm. Picasso could, could draw something in a couple of minutes because mm-hmm. he spent his whole life and sell it that like two minutes of work for $2 million. Mm-hmm. Like, so I was like, well, that, that's not very fair. He only worked mm-hmm. for two minutes. I mean, he spent millions of hours getting that good. And, uh, and that's, that's just what happens. And you know, how many things can you be that good at? I don't, I don't think there's a lot. I don't think you, there's like, I, I want to be good at four or five things, like really good, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so obviously whatever it is, you know, your calling is in life and whatever you're passionate about or whatever God's got you doing right now, pick, pick the handful of things that you should be really, really good at um, and develop yourself and then mm-hmm. and you'll be successful, almost mm-hmm. guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So last but not least on this one, uh, frequent communication with stakeholders without exception, the worst communicators, he says, you know, Infrequent investor updates, little direct customer communication, et cetera, were the worst performing companies. I thought that one was a really good point is uh, people who communicate and communicate well. In his context, he's talking about communicating with investors, but he also talks about communicating with customers, right? Um, And that just shows in my mind a bit of a mental strength to say, I want to be communicating with people all the time who are doing this with me, who I'm serving. Um, What do you think about that one? 100%. It's interesting that when you don't want to communicate is when things are not going well, and that's when you <laughs> must communicate even more. So if you find yourself not wanting to communicate because things are not well, slap yourself and start. Like, you know, I, I'm invested in this company and, and I get maybe an update every month. You know, um, I got one yesterday. Company has had to pivot heavily. 
first product crashed and burned. Um, they, they were smart with the cash. They pivoted. They just hit 1 million ARR with this pivot product. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I invested you know, with some partners, you know, at, at a valuation, I think at, at maybe 4 million. Mm-hmm. I think they, they're going to do a round probably at 30. Mm-hmm. It'll be over 20 million. Mm-hmm the next round. So, you know, what if I forex my money here in three years? Um, great communicator. Like when things were in the crapper, they, he, and these emails are long, mm-hmm. like goes through everything. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Mm-hmm. And I, I send back, I've sent until two encouraging mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then now they hit this new product and it's ripped, absolutely ripping and hitting like it literally in 12 months going from kind of default dead to, you know, 18 months of cash flow, about to go profitable. Like they're on that edge of should I spend some money to get more engineers to get the product better? He's right there. Um, and and like awesome, right? So yeah, just communicate when it's good, communicate when it's bad, solicit advice when it's good, solicit advice when it's bad. Um, it's always the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Um, really good stuff. Um, okay, I think let's save David Ogilvy for next week because I think that's a, a whole episode. Yeah, there's about 22 of these, uh, 22 ideas yeah. from David, David Ogilvy that we're going to save till next week. That dude is just a total genius. Um, amazing. Well, okay, so any bets on who wins this weekend uh, at the US Open? I think Cam Smith's got a shot. Mm-hmm. It's a very linksy style mm-hmm. course. The fairways are wide. He can spray it a little off the tee. So it's short game for days out there. Um, any live fighter is who I want to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have, I'll take Phil. I'll take Brooks. I'll take. I was going to say, man, I have gone them. from like just not loving Brooks to being fully team Brooks lately. Oh, I just Brooks love his way. dry communication yeah. style. He is. He yeah. is. Did you see his press conference? Yeah. Like, and he's like, right, and then he says, I'll see you at the Travelers next week, <laughs> which is a PGA fan. I'm like, I love it. I so, know, man. Yeah. It's, it's really it, – I've already it is, warned my wife this weekend, this weekend is a television weekend. Yes. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, I'm, I'm going to play on, you know, on the weekend at some mm-hmm. point, but golf will be on record. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, listen, if you're listening, um, feel free to drop us a rating, leave us a comment, uh, go to kingsandpriest.io. You can subscribe to everything there. Um, and we will uh, talk to you next week. <laughs>